You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Ron Mars. You are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Silver Surfer, Episode 7 the Infinity Gauntlet, and this is covering a period of Silver Surfer from 1991 to 1992. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. I'm Craig Elliott, and I'm excited to be here uh, co-hosting a second Silver Surfer episode uh, as we explore issues 51 through 66, picking up immediately after the previous episode 6 that you and I did recently Mm -hmm. that fans should probably check out before they listen to this one. Not to discourage you from listening to this, but (laughs) these two volumes are are tied together. We're also going to explore one of the annuals, and uh, Marvel has done us the nice uh, duty or, or gift of pulling just bits of some of the Marvel Comics Presents uh, in order to give us a completed story. Yeah, so this title, a little misleading because it's called the Infinity Gauntlet. And yes, you do see the Infinity Gauntlet in this book, but in nowhere in this in this episode or in this collection are we going to be discussing the actual contents of the miniseries the infinity gauntlet it's an interesting thing for marvel too because the previous volume of silver surfer was called thanos quest yeah and they inserted the thanos quest miniseries into that silver surfer volume even though it isn't a silver surfer story right so they've given this one the infinity gauntlet name Mm -hmm. but they have not inserted the infinity gauntlet miniseries itself into this volume although i would suggest that this volume reads really well uh, concurrently with Infinity Gauntlet. It absolutely events, does. Events in this book feed off of Infinity Gauntlet, and there are big jumps between issues in the that you're going to read in these stories that have been affected by events in Infinity Gauntlet. So something will happen yeah. here, yeah. something will happen in Infinity Gauntlet, and then the pieces of that are picked up, or the consequences of that are picked up in the following issue of Silver Surfer. They really, really are tie-in issues, and it definitely is a benefit to read them side by side. So uh, at this point, Silver Surfer had gone bi-weekly, because this is what Marvel was doing in the 90s as well. Is that during the summer months, a lot of their titles would go to twice a month. And they would have their uh, big stories that they would cram into just one summer. It's almost like kids were reading comics at this time. I would like to think so. Uh, And so Silver Surfer did the same thing. So for every one issue of Infinity Gauntlet, there were two issues of Silver Surfer. So you got twice as many tie-in issues that you did actually had regular issues. Uh, So pick yourself up a copy of the trade paperback. And put a pause on this podcast. We'll wait while you get that. Before we get into the issues, I just want to take a quick stop over to Facebook to to read one comment that someone left about this volume in particular. This is Ben, and he says, This has some good surfer stories, but not my favorite. 
The volume just before this has Thanos Quest, which might actually be a better story than Infinity Gauntlet. I really wish Ron Lim had been able to draw more of these issues. He is one of the all-time great Silver Surfer artists and a truly epic artist altogether. Unfortunately, Lim was kind of all overworked at this time as he was doing Infinity Gauntlet since George Perez couldn't finish it. And then he did the two sequels, Infinity War and Infinity Crusade, and did Surfer covers and might have also been drawing Captain America at the same time. The 90s were a busy time for Ron Lim, and I was eating up all the great artwork he put out. And yeah. it's not just it. Like he was doing, um, he was doing other miniseries. He was filling in issues here and there for other books. He was he did a, a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers it's, movie it's, adaptation. It's not long after this, he was launching the twenty ninety nine universe for Marvel. Yeah, X Men twenty ninety nine and stuff. And yeah. yeah, he was all over the place. And then okay, so I have a poll on Twitter. So Twitter's an interesting thing. Sometimes my polls get like over fifty vo- votes. And sometimes they only get four votes. This question was maybe too specific and only got four votes. <laughs> My question is, what did you think of Silver Surfer's angst during Ron Mars's run in issues, you know, 49 to 66? My don't, options don't, were, don't tell me the results, though. I'm going to guess. Okay. My options were, enough with it already. It was a great portrayal or could have gone deeper. I'm going to go with... Uh... One vote for enough already, two for option two, and and one for could have gone deeper. Okay. Close, but not quite. So one for could have gone deeper, and then three votes for a great portrayal. All right. Nobody thought that they were, no one was sick of the angst in this book. They all thought it was actually um, handled really well. So there you go. I I think it was handled well as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I mean, it wasn't, it was only. But six issues, really. Yeah. So, but I think that Ron Mars had a difficult time having to write Silver Surfer, but having to, you know, specifically insert stories into a pre-existing story. As as we discussed with Ron, and that interview was available. Right. Yeah, we should play a clip from that. At that point, I'm just elated to be doing comics. Period. So, you know, whatever job you put in front of me, I am happy to do, and it's the best job in the world. Yeah. At the time, I didn't really give it a whole lot of thought. It was just, that's just what the gig was. And I had, you know, I'd written a few issues here and there before that. So I had gotten my feet wet, had a, had a bit of a sense of what I was doing. You know, in retrospect, looking back at it, it was the best training ground I could have possibly had mm-hmm. because I was working in a very tight box with those issues. So my first eight or nine issues of the, of the book were all of these infinity gauntlet tie-ins and as you said you know you essentially you're you're telling a story that takes place between other stories and the job is to make that story coherent on its own but also tie into the larger picture you know i had to tick a lot of boxes on those stories but the enthusiasm of doing it for the first time i didn't really understand that i was you know getting a test of fire by doing that stuff i was just thrilled to be doing it so in in the long run, it was great. Um, I guess in the short run, it was pretty great too, because uh, I was yeah. I was writing superheroes and I was working with Ron Lim, so it was kind of instrumental for me to learn the lesson of playing in a big playground with others, um, which is what essentially a shared universe is. And you have to, you know, you had to play nicely with others, and the others included your editors and other editors if you were borrowing borrowing characters. 
all of those are skills you have to develop if you're going to work at Marvel or DC because you're just borrowing somebody else's toys to play with them. Uh, and, and there's a lot of give and take in how you play with them. Well, right before we get into the Infinity Gauntlet story tie-ins, we have to get an annual out of the way. So why don't we talk about annual Silver Surfer annual number four? Yeah, and like with the last volume, right with this annual, we pick up partway through a story. Yeah. We're getting the end of a story. Apparently, Silver Surfer is where all stories come to end. Well, actually, there is one more part after this one in following in in the guardians of the galaxy oh, that's right so okay. this story is different than in the previous volume with life form because there is an overarching story uh that happens throughout the the couple of a uh, couple of different annuals but this one requires more knowledge than just there's a creature on the loose so yeah. we get a text recap at the beginning that it kind of explains where we're going and this is sort of a sequel to the Korvac saga um, a piece of Korvac which contains a portion a tiny portion of Galactus's power is making its way through time and so the Guardians of the Galaxy in one of the first parts I think it was Fantastic Four traveled to the present day in order to try and find this little packet of power that's going off in a bunch of different places and now we are in a future story for the silver surfer this story takes place in the 26th uh, century silver surfer is living in paradise and the guardians of the galaxy show up looking for this little power source and realize that this old man that surfer is buddies with has the power and is using it to create this paradise and uh, there's a misunderstanding of course and People have to fight, and eventually, uh, eventually they get the they wrestle the power, or, or the 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 old guy gives up the power, realizes that you know he has to do this, and then the guardians leave and have to figure out what they're going to do next in their own time, um, in their own annual. So that's the fourth part. That's right. Um, this is an interesting one because it's none of the guardians people will recognize. There's no group. There's no any version of Drax, there's no Gamora or Star-Lord. This is a yeah. different Guardians of the Galaxy. It also is interesting, on, on page 17, the book makes reference to an event that hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, and it, it's actually incorrect. Okay. So, on page 17, Surfer gets ready to go and investigate an, an unknown vessel approaching the, the planet, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy, to defend this paradise where he's now living. And he makes reference to now wearing the quantum bands, which make him the protector of the universe yeah um and it says read more about it in upcoming issues of guardians of the galaxy which is an interesting point to say that this hasn't happened but we're tying it in because the only the the two issues of guardians of the galaxy are issues 24 and 25 yeah they are supposedly in a separate in a different multiverse part of the multiverse 691 right. not not 616 because it's an alternate future yes so i don't know it's just one of those interesting pieces because He's not the Silver Surfer when he has the Quantum Bands. He ends up being called the Keeper. Oh, okay. And within those two stories, he gets the Quantum Bands given to him by, by Eon, specifically to confront Galactus, to bring an end to Galactus, oh, the planets. Nice. And Surfer mistakenly thinks he's meant to battle Galactus, and he and the Guardians will battle Galactus 
to a standstill but cannot defeat Galactus. And then Surfer realizes that with both his cosmic power and the quantum bands, he's able to produce the energy that Galactus needs to feed so that Galactus will never again need to feed on a planet. And so that story ends with Surfer protecting the universe by accompanying Galactus and feeding Galactus when he's hungry. And Galactus is... All he's ever wanted is food, so yeah. he doesn't really care if it means <laughs> Isn't he that interesting? He becomes a herald again, yes, but in a different way. Yeah. Oh, cool. And nice so that is, that is the two issues they're referring to. And so I guess I was wrong when I said it's incorrect so much as it just doesn't quite fit with how that two-issue story goes. Right. Partly because it's out of the, the 616 multiverse, and this story suggests it's in the regular verse. And also, when he has a quantum bend, he's not Silver Surfer. And since he's now on this planet, we assume that he has willingly allowed Thanos to go back to feasting? <laughs> I um, guess so. So there's a few pieces there. It's still an interesting story. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. I felt at the end for the old guy who gave up his power, especially because he was using it to keep his wife alive, because they were, yep. like, really, really old, older than any being of his race should be and it was only because of the power of galactus that he was he was still alive and then his wife was still alive so once he gives it up his wife starts aging completely rapidly and then he quickly follows so it was kind of sad to see see them both go Um, i also find it interesting if surfer with the quantum bands is supposed to be able to take on galactus then i really don't see how the guardians were able to put up such a fight yeah you know it was interesting because i was looking forward to reading more about the these guardians because i really don't know a whole lot about them but this issue is not the place to do that because they show up they do their thing they leave you don't really get to know anything about the guardians of the galaxy in this issue at all nothing like they they don't talk about themselves there's no sort of backstory no, or anything like that, that you know the guardians of the galaxy yeah so yeah. they just come in and do their thing and go which is too bad but that's that's it. It's it's actually a fine standalone story in amidst a four part annual crossover. Yeah, I agree. It uh, reads well. The only part that it doesn't explain is why he's got the quantum bands. But right, but reading the other four parts of this story is not going explain to explain that, that either. In fact, nothing could explain that to you because it hadn't happened yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All you need to know is that it's it's in the future. And yeah. when you say it's in the future, then you accept any of these weird things because that story hasn't been written yet. Yes. No, that's true. Okay, so we do get a little bit of a text recap at the beginning of issue 51 to tell you how that story wraps up, which is nice. So uh, before we move on, there are a few other stories in this epic collection. This, the, the next one is, is a story of Eros. Um, which, like I said in the previous volume, Eros is one of those characters that I think Marvel is not going to be revisiting anytime soon, or if they do, he'll be very different than in previous incarnations. Yes, in this Me Too age that we live in right now, I think he's a little um, off, the, off the mark. And, and that's, that's obvious, I think, in this volume. He's, so yeah, if you don't he's know, sometimes referred to as Star Fox. Or yes, commonly referred to as Star Fox, but I don't know if they're going to revisit that name either because Star Fox has become a, a popular Nintendo <laughs> right character. So if you don't know this character, Eros is the the brother of Thanos. Yes, first of all, but they don't. That doesn't matter for this story. But he has the ability to influence 
how people like attract pe- people to him. That's his power. He can, in, yeah. It, they they at some points refer to it as his ability to charm. At some points they refer to it as he just sort of tweaks your opinion of him, or sometimes it's to to bend your will a little bit or uh, to influence you. There's no real clear piece. But an ongoing theme this time is that he often uses his ability to sort of influence you to do what he wants. Yeah. Uh, is used often on women. Well, because he's a big fan also of just being intimate and very sexual and that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. And yeah. I mean, when I say he uses it to, to entice yeah. women, he, I mean, he, he really does. Yeah. And um, this issue looks at that a little bit. He already has three women fawning over him, a cat lady, a, a going to guess a, a Cree lady, and some other lady. But he's not satisfied with any of them. No. He's, not. he's very much a jerk. <laughs> he's like, yep. none of these women are good enough for me. But then he finds the woman who he thinks is good enough for him, and he can't persuade her at all. Very interesting. Now, have you heard of this woman before, Cynthia? No. Neither had I. I had to look her up. Did you look her up? No, I did not. Okay. so I assume she was a throwaway character for this story. She is not. She appeared one time before. This is her second and last appearance ever. Cynthia, her full name, she goes by uh, Cynthia Nape, and she first appears in X Factor Prisoner of Love, which is an X Factor, like a one shot, yep. written by Jim Starlin. And so, in that, like, I had to look it up because this completely confused me. I had no idea what was going on here. And she does something, and you see this apparition of like crystals or whatever, and then she's like, Do you understand now? And Star Fox is like, Yeah, I understand. And then she leaves. I'm like, I don't understand. I have no idea. But apparently, Cynthia is of an alien race that can take on whatever form she wants to take on. Not necessarily a shapeshifter, but just gives off the appearance. And this crystal form that we see here in the last page of the story is her true form. So the reason why... Uh, Star Fox can't persuade her is because they are just actually not compatible beings at all. Right. But he still is completely taken by her. Almost because he had to win her, or had to win her for real. Yeah. Um, the the line, though, that gives you a sense of him is, is a page back um, where he says to her on the top panel of 44, top right-hand panel, hey, come on, this never happened to me before. I usually have women throwing themselves at me. And she responds... You give them a little help, though, don't you? Which is the yeah. reference to his to his powers tweaking their yeah. attraction a little bit. Um, it was yeah, it's an interesting interesting piece. I didn't realize that it was Cynthia. I I also didn't quite understand what was going on. I just figured it was part of like a I don't know a, a weird Star Fox story because it's not like there's a lot of Star Fox stories out there. Right. It's just it's so bizarre and makes absolutely no sense if you don't know this character. But then if you read this, who's going to know the, the one other appearance of this character anyway it's in X-Factor comics? Like, it's such a, a bizarre place for the character to show up. So yeah. I, I imagine that a lot of people reading this probably didn't know and still don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then we have one more, one more short story in this, in this, this annual, annual yeah. and it's funny because this is a Silver Surfer annual with almost no Silver Surfer. Very true. You get a Eero story, and then you're going to get a Midnight Sun story. 
Yeah, Midnight Sun um, is a character that appears throughout Silver Surfer in this era. He just pops up kind of from time to time. Um, this was my first time reading about his origin, though. I had no idea that he first appears in Master of Kung Fu, particularly Marvel Special Edition number 16, which is Master of Kung Fu, like, uh, number two, essentially. Yeah, although when he appears there, he's not stuck with discs on his hands. No. He can still hold things. So Jim Starlin was the artist at that time uh, on Master of Kung Fu. So he created the look of this character and then, I guess, decided to bring him into... Um, into his world in the Silver Surfer and turn him into a cosmic character because he was very much a street-level yeah. uh, New York character at the time uh, when he was first created. But now he spends his time on sitting on asteroids thinking about himself. <laughs> or on the moon, I guess. He's on the moon. Um, yeah, and he's being experimented on by the Kree. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's just a, a story to let us know who he is, which will be important in a future issue in this book. Uh, so it's good to have that context. It is interesting, though, he's on the moon. That'll be something we'll have to re- go back to later. Yeah. Um, so. The one thing that we missed here is that at the very beginning, before the Korvac quest story, there's a, um, a little uh, three-page origin of the Silver Surfer as told by Galactus. And it just briefly recaps the, the whole coming of Galactus story from Fantastic Four. And the thing that I liked about this one, though, is because it's spoken from Galactus's point of view, uh, it has a, a certain sort of bend to it. And you always get the feeling that Galactus is an uncaring, just emotionless being because he, like, all he cares about is his hunger and who cares about all the beings that he's killing. But he, you get the sense that he really cares for Surfer. Like, he actually, he, he keeps referring to him as my creation, like it's a term of endearment. Yeah, he does it a few times. Um, like you get the sense he's not vengeful to war, like, or angry with Surfer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you think about it, he's also not angry or, or his his devouring of worlds isn't a hateful act. Right. The the people being devoured see it as a hateful act, but but he um, sees them as inconsequential as we see, like if we spray a, a wasp's nest. Yeah. Or, you know, something, or or an anthill or yeah. something. So think about that the next time you're killing that wasp's nest outside your patio. Um, for the wasps, you're being a jerk. Yeah, you are Galactus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's don't, a... don't dress your kids up as your herald and send them in first. They'll just get stung. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a, a, a little bonus feature bef- between these two issues here. Um, some trading cards. I collected these trading cards all the time. I still have them. I still have them in a box. It's great to see Ron Lim uh, drew most of these. Looks like Art, Art Adams did the Adam Warlock card. And Mark Texier did the Collector. And who's that? Um, Is it Jimmy oh, Palmiotto? Palmiotti. Oh, yeah. Paul Ryan did the uh, did Death. Yeah. They're, they're nice. I love these cards. They're so great. Yeah. I Part of me wishes that they still made cards but i also wouldn't buy them so yeah <laughs> right i think they do i think they do still make the cards but yeah it's just oh, not there you uh, go that shows you how much i wouldn't buy them that i didn't even know they were still being made yeah okay um, let's keep on going before you read issue number 51 you need to go read infinity gauntlet number one 
that's the reading order here. So go and read that issue. Listen to that discussion in the Infinity Gauntlet Epic Marvel podcast episode. And then come back here for issue 51, which is called Hunger. Yes. Yeah, we get a look at Galactus's actual face without his helmet. Something that you don't get to see every day. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. And this is, uh, like I said, this this volume is a lot of not Silver Surfer stories for Silver Surfer books. We we discussed that previously. Silver Surfer's become a catch-all for Cosmic Marvel. Yeah. So this is a Galactus, and it's a Nova story, and not Nova with the three beads on his or burning suns on his chest with the blue and the rocketeer helmet that nova this is this is nova that looks like a female fire lord right and she's the current herald of galactus and and also silver surfer's former lover yeah so this is a cool story because um silver surfer has to um so Nova recalls a conversation that Sil- with that she had well, with Silver Surfer. It's key because first you need to know Galactus is prepping for his confrontation with Thanos. He knows it's coming. Yeah, they've had their they had the little conversation. Thanos kind of challenged him, said, "I'm not afraid of you. You can't stop me." Galactus says to Nova, "She needs to find him a planet that will fully recharge him. Yeah, he, he needs, needs to, to be, be fully powered, yeah, totally, because he's anticipating having to fight." Thanos. And so he says to her, it's urgent that she finds something as quickly as possible so that he can feast and be fully restored so that he can battle Thanos. Yep. And that's where she takes off. And then as she is flying, she is thinking about this conversation she's previously had with Silver Surfer uh, 30 issues ago. She doesn't actually say 30 issues, but that's that's where you'd want to go if, if you're wanting to read about that issue. Yeah. And it's about saving life on planets. Silver Surfer takes her to a planet where the, there's primitive life and tries to explain that even though it's primitive life, you don't know what their future holds. And it's revealed that they actually traveled back in time to Earth when these are cave people and Nova's from Earth. So she knows very well what the future is going to be. And if, and if she had brought Galactus to that planet, what's, what's going to happen there? Um, you know, she wouldn't have a future. But... Um, it's just a it's just a neat thing to think about uh just the the paradox i guess of of well right now they're primitive people and they amount to nothing so what harm is it to destroy this planet but that's not giving any society a chance yeah and she weighs uh these two factors as she like the story goes through that interesting bit it visits france if you care early right. france <laughs> very early um, <laughs> and after she's done reminiscing on the story she has found a planet and she is really struggling with the moral implications of destroying a planet with a, a primitive creatures or trying to find somewhere else for thanos to feed and that's sort of her lesson her takeaway from a conversation with surfer was find galactus uninhabited worlds to consume yeah and so she is she's sort of trying to do that but she's found this planet that it meets everything Galactus needs to fully recharge for his confrontation with Thanos. And yeah. she is weighing that and she decides that she's going to have to feed this planet to Galactus. Yeah. Ultimately it's, it's more important. Galactus needs to be fully restored for his confrontation. And it eats her up at the end. You, yeah. Why didn't Galactus place that block in her soul that prevents her from feeling this way? Uh, I'm going to guess that it has something to do with the fact that eventually Surfer unblocked it himself anyways. And, the conflict led to his challenging Galactus. Yeah, but Nova's been his herald for a long time. Yeah. 
So he should have put that block in her soul like ages no, ago. No, no, but it, Surfer himself unblocked it. Like eventually Surfer came to that realization having come to Earth. Oh, okay. So maybe this so is maybe her he revelation right that now. He can't put a permanent block in, yeah. so why bother? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I mean, on the other side, that she's struggling with that piece, but she she also feeds him the, the planet. So Very true. Yeah. So that's sort of where that goes. Um, I mean, she does she does suffer emotionally at the end, but I'm not sure that then or that Galactus is maybe he just can't relate to that guilt. No, I don't think he can. Anyways, it's it's the key piece. It does foreshadow a conflict coming. We we do know if you hop back to Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos does fight Galactus. So yeah, it references that their forthcoming battle, and so then we we proceed on to issue fifty two. Yeah, this one's called The Hero in Absence. And in this one, Drax and Fire Lord make it to Titan in time to see Mentor and Eros disappear. It's, so It's like the the Marvel Comics version of the snap. Yes. Uh, and yeah, if you read it's, Infinity Gauntlet number one, you would have seen the snap happen there. Um, or was it in Infinity? Yeah, it was Infinity Gauntlet number one. Yeah, right at yeah. the very beginning. It's interesting how the movie pushed that to the very end whereas the infinity gauntlet miniseries starts with that yes but the infinity gaunt the gauntlet movie was more also the thanos quest it had to get thanos quest out of the way at the beginning that's true he had to find the gems yeah yeah and all that yeah so they had to squeeze true. that in mm-hmm. a bit there um okay so yeah where are we here so we, yeah that's right um eros and i mean drax and fire lord are going to Titan. Silver Surfer is going to Earth. And they're supposed to both go and rally the forces um, on their respective planets in order to to uh, prepare for, for Thanos' battle. Uh, and this is interesting because, again, this is an issue that pretty much isn't about Silver yeah, Surfer. No Surfer. It, it opens with Surfer crashing into the Sanctum Centaurum and talking to Doctor Strange, but that takes exactly two pages. Yeah. And then we hop to Titan and we get... Almost immediately we lose... Eros and Mentor, and we just get Fire Lord and Drax, and it's a it's not an ideal pairing. Fire Fire Lord does not really have the patience to deal with an infantile Drax, and Drax is confused and and frustrated, and he expresses his emotions in a super positive way. Yeah. Like this is how all parents should encourage their kids to express frustration. Well, you know, I think this is it. Just goes to show you that he is he has the mind of a three year old. Yeah, and that is exactly how you know a three-year-old will express in a in a form of a tantrum, and that's kind of uh, that's what Drax does. Unfortunately, he has superhuman power, so his tantrums are a lot more harsh <laughs> than than a, a, a typical three-year-old. I think but, it's I think it's interesting that they kind of set him up to be Space Hulk. Yeah, in these issues, it really is. Yeah, he's he he is like that. Um, he also says himself that he is frustrated that he can't think the way he used to. Yeah, he recognizes that he's not the same, and and it makes him really unhappy. And I think that's kind of a neat complexity to the character there. Um, yeah, especially since he's played up for laughs so many times in this book. True. Yep. It's interesting, too, this book involves them giving you a recap of previous events. If you haven't read them, there's a two-page recap, 96-97, where Fire Lord and Drax observe the surfer fight with Thanos. So they give you that quick recap of the previous confrontation. And they, again, reference the Infinity Gauntlet, Drax, as he has it. So that's where we get that piece. Yeah, and Mentor and Eros vanish in this. We also see them vanish 
Uh, Mentor vanishes in, is in Infinity Gauntlet number one, and then Eros vanishes in Infinity Gauntlet number two. So we get a... This, this issue takes place between those two, so if you were buying them as they were being released, you would have seen Eros vanish um, here first. Yes. Um... Anyways, this issue ends. They have a brief confrontation. Drax is frustrated. He tries to fight Fire Lord. Fire Lord pushes back. It gives you a sense of how powerful Drax is. He's now fighting one of the former heralds uh, to a standstill. And then the two of them decide together to go rejoin Surfer and the other heroes on Earth. And so they arrive on Earth. And we learn that Doctor Strange was simultaneously reaching out to try and find them and bring them to their team that will be taking on they will be taking on Thanos. And it's an interesting group at the end. Um, you know, if I was putting together a team to fight Thanos, I'm not sure I'd pick Pip the Troll and Namor and Cloak. There are well, Pip the Troll comes with Adam Warlock, so you don't get a choice with that yeah, one. I but why know. would you reach out to Spider-Man? Uh, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's you, true. You need uh, Thor's there. That's good. She-Hulk is probably good in a fight like that. But yeah, I'm not sure how much Cloak is going to do there. But he was pretty popular back in the 90s. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting collection of, of characters they've got here anyways. And it tells you right away, head over to Infinity Gauntlet number two. So you can yep. see that this book is wedged in between number one and number two. Yep. So go so. and read that one next and go listen to the other podcast. Of you, you may be bouncing back and yep. forth between I some podcasts I think you definitely right should. So anyways, we're going to head on ourselves. It says uh, in just two weeks, clumsy foul up, but actually it's going to be in just two seconds. One, two. And so we're on uh, onto Silver Surfer 53, and it opens with Clumsy Foulup, Emperor of uh, the Kree Empire, yeah. addressing the Kree Empire. And he's got great news. They're raising taxes. <laughs> and they're raising taxes because the snap made half the population disappear. But that doesn't mean the government's revenue needs have gone down. So everyone has to pay double taxes yep. to make up for their missing relatives. Which That makes sense. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Sounds, sounds um, logical. From the get-go, this issue bugged me because the name Clumsy Foul-Up was just too nail on the head. Like, it just... There wasn't even any subtlety to Okay, but to it. No, you I don't realize. have the context because Clumsy Foul-Up was um, a no-good-nothing character way back in uh, at the beginning of, of this series. And he stumbles himself into being the ruler of the Kree Empire. No, no, I know. Yeah. I just, it still bugs me. And that his name is Clumsy Foulup. That's yeah, so was, on the nose. There wasn't even an attempt to do anything subtle or, or, <laughs> yeah. or clever. There's no pun. We, yeah. we just went, I don't know. True. Anyways, here's what it is. Clumsy Foulup, emperor of um, the Kree Empire. And so this entire issue is a Kree issue. Yep. You think there's a Silver Surfer, and it starts with a, the plotting of a coup, Two generals are plotting to overthrow Clumsy Foul Up, and they're going to frame the Skrulls, because if you're the Kree, who else should you frame but the Skrulls? <laughs> um, but they also bring in the what you think is a Silver Surfer. And it, it's an interesting piece, because he shows up, and you're sort of surprised that he's part of this conspiracy. Yeah. And the conspiracy moves forward, and Surfer, on live TV kills clumsy foul up and declares that it was done in the name of the scroll empire and then he is destroyed by the two generals that had planned the coup in order for them to seize control of the empire which they do um, and then it's revealed that actually it was a robot silver surfer 
who conducted this, and so that was all part of their master plan to seize control of the Kree Empire. And at the end of it, they promise the Kree on TV when they take control that they um, will lead the Kree against the Skrulls. And so it, it suggests another Kree-Skrull war, and it's been over a decade since the Kree-Skrull war in the Marvel yeah. Universe, but we don't get another Kree-Skrull war. This issue, however, is key within the context of the Marvel Universe because these two guys are the ones that lead the Kree Empire into the Galactic Storm storyline that goes through Avengers. Right, yes. So they are the ones that take on the Shi'ar Empire, which was a bad miscalculation. <laughs> yeah. um, although they didn't have a choice because the Shi'ar are invading them. They're not invading the Shi'ar. So who knows? Maybe they would have gone after the Skrulls had they been given the chance, but the Shi'ar do not, they do not give them such an opportunity. And so these two guys lead the Kree into a very unsuccessful a war with the Shi'ar. So that's that's this issue. So this issue, it says Infinity Gauntlet tie-in, but it's not really. It's It should say Operation Galactic Storm tie-in. Or like, yeah, prelude to... <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm not even sure that's what they knew they were doing when they wrote this issue. It only ties oh. in enough that uh, because it shows the effect of what Thanos has done on one of the planets. Yeah. Because they don't spend a whole lot of time doing that on, in the actual miniseries. Um, in fact, I don't think they do that at all, really. They no. show the effects of something of what happens on Earth, but we have to keep in mind that what happened on Earth actually happened in the entire universe. Yes. And so every planet is going through something like this, and this is what happened on the Kree homeworld. Yeah, and so that's the Kree homeworld, and as a result, you get this this coup. Anyways, that's, for those of you that want to follow through, you can go through that. And the... Operation Galactic Storm, I'm assuming, is going to be in or is already in Avengers volume. Yep. But it is, it, yep. is it the whole story? The whole story is in one volume. Even yep. though they're pulling issues from Iron Man and all of that. Yep, all they? 19 parts are right, in well, one there you book. Go. Um, so go and check that. that uh, yep. That, uh, which, which volume is it? It's 22. There is an Avengers Operation Galactic Storm volume. Yep, volume 22. So you can go check that out. Incidentally, this Silver Surfer issue I don't think is in it. No, no, it's not. Um, so. Because it happens too far in advance, because they like to try and group them chronologically yeah. like in the time period. But um, I will be doing an Operation Galactic Storm episode maybe a little bit later in 2019, so you can keep your eyes out for that one. Read ahead. Okay, so next one is Silver Surfer number 54, Cages. I loved this issue. Um, I always loved the Rhino, so to me... That was sort of a fun way to explore the rhino and have him interact with the Silver Surfer. It was so unexpected. I would never have thought that we would have an issue with Silver Surfer and Rhino in the same issue. Yeah, <laughs> it's but, a great... But I liked it. It, it worked really well. That's and great. The, the, the premise is that Rhino, he realizes that because half the pop population is gone, that there are, there are zoo animals that are not being cared for because the zookeepers have disappeared. And so he's taking this opportunity to free all of these animals, let them loose, and then Silver Surfer, and then they start to like, you know, hurt people or whatever, and Surfer has to put the animals back in their cages. But I found that the Surfer's view on zoos was very um, not what I would expect Silver Surfer to say. For someone who is so bent on his own freedom and not being held captive, 
He put those animals back in their cages. But he does say it's for their own good. He says to Rhino at the beginning, their animals are going to hurt. And one of the tigers gets shot. Yes. And Surfer points out to Rhino that he like, he says he doesn't like the zoo. He does say he doesn't like zoos. He says they're they're terrible. But, but my, he, my point is, though, that Silver Surfer has an incredible amount of power. What he could do is take those animals and put them in a better spot. Take them back to Africa or, or you know, whatever. That's true. He could have, he could have liberated them for certain. Yeah, and they wouldn't have had to be running around New York. He, he, I'm sure he can teleport them or whatever he, with his powers to somewhere that where they would actually thrive. I do like the fact you get a semi-heroic rhino. Yes. He's not going to join the group that's going to go fight Thanos, <laughs> but he is going to stay and help protect the animals. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm sort of a good guy. Sort of an interesting take on the rhino. I mean, this issue is key to the overall Infinity Gauntlet story. Uh, as it references just at the beginning, the team is frustrated that the Hulk won't join them. Yeah. And that has been a key also in their planning in the Infinity Gauntlet. And it ends with Hulk joining the team. So, yeah, nice bookend. Yeah. So Hulk is now on board, which is key because they need his his muscles. So Yeah. And from there, now it's time to read Infinity Gauntlet number three. Yeah. So go ahead and do that. And we will plug ahead with our Silver Surfer crossover issues here. This is issue number 55, The Universe According to Thanos, Part 1, Genesis. And uh, um, this one is one of the ones that's very closely tied to the miniseries because um, Surfer and Adam Warlock are, are taking a strategic position and watching the battle unfold on in Th- and Thanos' little th- throne planet or whatever this thing is, and they're waiting for the right time to strike. And uh, well, the plan the plan as the heroes and everyone had come up with it was that everyone would engage Thanos and keep him so diverted by the battle yeah. that he would be distracted, and then Surfer could whip it on his board, grab the gauntlet off his glove. Yep, it's sort of the same plan that they use in, in the, the movie. movie. Yep, except that it's supposed to be Spider-Man who whips in and grabs the glove, and we all know how that went. And so it's the same, the same plan, although it it fails. And so you're getting that plan from the view of of Warlock and Surfer instead of on the ground. Um, if you read Infinity Gauntlet, then you you saw it with the heroes actually battling him instead of just seeing the aftermath of their failed attempt to overpower Thanos. Yeah. So they they don't uh, they try to attack. This is this is actually before the time where Surfer tries to snatch the glove. They they do one assault first, and it doesn't work. Thanos sees them coming a mile away, and in fact um, kills Adam Warlock pretty much right away. And Thanos reshapes his throne world to get rid of all the heroes and kind of does this little diverting uh, story here where he is created, um, because he's worshiping death, he's turned his throne world into uh, this weird thing where people go in, that he, they're, they are created through one door and they immediately walk and are killed in another door. And it's just a continual stream of sacrifices for death. And he says he's built one of these little things on every, in every capital city on every planet. So there are constantly people dying over and over and over again, all over the, the universe, um, which Surfer finds abhorrent. Yes. Um, it's also interesting for those of you that don't know, 
the blue lady clinging to his leg is supposed to be death. Right. Yeah, she's on the cover. Yeah. Which I feel like this is a... I don't know if this is intentional, but the cover reminds me of uh, Return of the Jedi with um, with with Thanos taking the Jabba the Hutt role and Death is the Princess Leia and then Surfer is the green dancing lady <laughs> who's on the chain. Fair enough, I guess. I don't know if it's tr- is, if that's what it's supposed to be the, or not. She, but. She, um, yeah, I don't know. I just know um, they don't tell you it's death, and if you've encountered death previously, she's a hooded lady with a skull face. So I thought I'd clarify for anyone who misses that, that this is this is indeed death now. Who, yeah. Who sits next to him. Um, and so then... I really felt that this was kind of a biding our time kind of issue. It was uh, a lot of talking and explaining and theorizing and that kind of thing. And uh, um, it doesn't, ultimately, it doesn't amount to anything. No, it doesn't really drive the story forward. So. And so, yeah, we have the next issue here. Number 56 is called Exodus. And it is uh, the second part. Surfer is still kind of under um, Thanos' thumb. And he, he makes him be the scribe of all of uh, Thanos' duties, the official keeper of, of Thanos' history. Yes, and I love how cynically Surfer <laughs> yeah. does it. He doesn't write it in a, uh, a nice way. No, he doesn't. Um, but we do get to see Thanos' death camps on various worlds. We see Earth, where the Statue of Liberty has been converted. Um yeah, and apparently there's an ice age on Earth, we which see it. I didn't get that from when I was reading the series. I know that he was like causing tidal waves and stuff like that, but apparently the entire planet is experiencing an ice age except for New York. That's what he says here. Yeah, um, but I like that on 184. He he, you can see that the only other reference to um. To the, what's happening in the other worlds. They reference the Skrulls. They reference the Kree. They reference the Shi'ar. They even reference Zen-La. Yeah. So you can see the reach of Thanos' evil is affecting all of these places. It's the Silver Surfer books that are, again, giving you the galactic Marvel Universe, and they're touching on those places. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and Thanos is there on all the planets doing the conquering. Like, he is a busy guy right now. But he's on all the planets at once. Yep. How is that possible? Yeah. So, and then it's interesting. Surfer protests, and he wants out of his duties. And Thanos says, "Well, who should I get?" And he brings forward his options: Doom and Iron Man and Scarlet Witch and a headless Cyclops, which seems like the least effective version of Cyclops. <laughs> and says, "None of them are worthy. You alone get this honor, uh, quote unquote, of being my scribe." And then he uses his his powers to toy with Surfer, switching him between different sort of ridiculous versions of himself you get jester and ballerina and clown and uh, shakespearean bard and finally back to the regular surfer and uh, surfer is forced to accept his role as as the scribe of thanos's history uh, until he can't and then he tries to commit suicide and he fails because as we already know thanos is beyond death yeah. and so he denies surfer even the release of of death. So this is the same month that um, George Perez quits the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries and Ron Lim has to take over. So Ron Lim draws half of this issue 
because he's already starting to work on Infinity Gauntlet. And the other half is drawn by Gavin Curtis. Um, and it's not an exact like half and half split. You can see that. Um, you can see the pages where. Yeah, where Ronlin had obviously to step out. draws a couple of pages here and there. Like he draws the last two as well and, and stuff. So. Yeah, but, and it's interesting because Gavin Curtis draws this, and Gavin Curtis doesn't have quite the career that Ron Lemon draws. Right. Um, but you're going to see that because Ron Lemon has had to vacate Silver Surfer to do Infinity Gauntlet, you're going to get a few different people on the next few books. Yeah. So the next issue, we go to... Well, the next issue is actually Infinity Gauntlet number four. Right, sorry. So you need to read that first. Which is Ron Lim. Yep. And then you can move over to... Silver Surfer 57. Inquisition. And this one, again, is split. It's Ron Lim, so he obviously started the pencils. Yeah. And then he had to give it up. So James Brock is the other person who came in. And James Brock, he doesn't have a... He doesn't quite get the same amount of success that, that Ron Lim had... He bounced around a bit in Marvel. Um, he does have a decent run, actually, at Valiant when Valiant was there. Okay. Working on um, on one of the Valiant titles. But he, he never quite gets to the the Ron Lim level, which I think is too because I actually I think he did a decent job filling in. Yeah, I think so, so. too. Yep. Yep. So this, the way that Ron Mars has, um, has, has tackled these tie-ins is because there's two issues in between of Silver Surfer in between each Infinity Gauntlet uh, thing. He's got two issue stories in between. So, like we saw the last one with um, the last two parter was with Thanos and Silver Surfer as yes. his as his chronological or um, or sorry keeper of of history. So this one we have um, a two parter where we deal with uh, Surfer visiting this place, this weird place called, um, oh man, I wrote it down. What is it called? The Hall of Absolutes. Yeah. And he meets someone who is called um, Virtual Virtual Reality. Reality. Now, the way he gets there is that Thanos blasts him with the gauntlet. And we don't know what the blast means, but it sends him into this, this weird reality or whatever it is. It's very... It's very, it's very out there. I feel like it would have been the right spot to find the in-betweener. Yeah, with all the black and white, yeah. But this is a place where, um, where Surfer has to kind of find himself. And, he, there's the, and virtual reality is a guide that guides Surfer through his memories and all of the people that he's kind of been callous to in the past. So this, this issue... Again, we're unclear, is this Thanos toying with Surfer's mind or, or not? But we find out more about Surfer's past again. So we already know Surfer's dad committed suicide. And now we're going to discover that Surfer's mom... Well, I mean, there was reference to it previously, but now you get to actually see Surfer finding his mother's suicide. She's kind of slit her wrists in, in the tub. So that's, that's this issue. This issue is all about guilt. Is Surfer feels inner guilt... He feels guilty about his parents. He feels guilty about having to leave, um, what's your face? Shalabal. Uh, Shalabal. Um, guilty about the, the loves of his life and having to take off um, and desert the defenders. There's all of these this guilt that he has to feel. He even feels guilty about have, killing Thanos. And all of this, he sees himself as a failure. And even as, in his success he sees himself as a failure and he's got so much guilt and this is something that he has to work through and this he can only face this now because 
Galactus has removed that block that was blocking this before. Yep. So this is this two-parter is him working through it. And so we move on to the second part of that story, 58, which um, is him still trapped in this this weird hall of absolutes with virtual reality. Um, and you get no Ron Lim art on this one. This one is drawn entirely by somebody named Todd Smith, who's credited as guest penciler. Yep. And um, Todd Smith, he doesn't really pencil anything else. He bounces around Marvel as sort of a fill-in inker for the rest of his career, as far, okay. as, I, as, far as I know. Um, which is too bad, because I thought he did okay. I find it interesting, actually. Uh, well, I'll touch on this later. So Todd Smith has this issue. So in, this one is Silver Surfer trying to find his way out of the Hall of Absolutes, and through that, he gets keys from all of the key people, key well, people well, in, in his life. Well, he, first he fails. Yeah. And he encounters, he ends his attempt by encountering the Defenders, Namor, Hulk, and Doctor Strange. And he tries to overpower them and he fails. And he he discovers that he was he was not actually fighting them. Instead, he was, he was fighting uh, guilt, denial, and doubt. Right. So he was fighting guilt, denial, and doubt instead. And uh, so that's why he failed. But virtual reality offers him a second chance to escape. And so that's where he gets the keys. And it's all about forgiveness. And so the keys are won over by forgiveness. So Surfer, he doesn't so much have to earn the forgiveness as he has to accept the forgiveness. Yeah, he realizes that every, but his friends and his family are actually not mad at him at all. No. Uh, and that he's making up all of that and putting that guilt upon himself. Yep. So I thought that was really an interesting revelation, and it was well written um, and well well conceived. The journey through his mind and just being able to to visualize that and uh, how that was brought to brought to you know our attention. I think yep. yeah, it was. I I was um, unsure when I was reading these issues if this was going to go anywhere because it's like. I just want to get back to the Infinity Gauntlet story. That's true. That but, first issue, especially, it was like this is an annoying diversion. Yeah, you're killing time. Just yes. like, but the second issue actually tied it together yeah. really well. I thought. Yep. And I, I love so the too. the end when he he's still chained. Like he's got the keys from all of these different past people who are important to him, and he's still got a collar around his neck. And that's where he realizes the last one is forgiving himself. He needs to he needs to forgive himself, and so yeah. he he is able to free himself. And then at the end he's returned right back to where he started as if nothing happened. So these issues are, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're consequential to Silfer's state of mind, but they're inconsequential completely to the larger infinity gauntlet story. Well, except for, for he was blasted by Galactus and now he's back at the start. Blasted by Thanos. Thanos, sorry. Blasted by Thanos back at the start. So we don't know if Thanos may be goofed up. Yeah. Um, but you're right. The actual events of these don't affect the Infinity Gauntlet. And this ends with an interlude with a sort of mock, um, at least what I think looks like a crashed Starship Enterprise on a moon. Right. Or I, I think it looks more like a bird of prey. Yeah, it could be. Anyways, it looks, I don't know. It, anyways, it doesn't look like most Marvel comic book ships. It looks sort of like a Star trek ship. Yeah. I'm not sure that actually mattered or that was intentional, but that's what it looks like to me. Um, so next you need to read Infinity Gauntlet number five uh, to find out. Because um, in Infinity Gauntlet number five, Silver Surfer actually does 
zoom, do the zoom and try and grab the glove off of Thanos and it has a different result. So you have to check that out to see uh, what happens there. And in fact, a lot of stuff happens. So much happens that we need to have a text recap at the beginning of this, this issue in this epic collection here. It tells us what happened there. And the events turn. And now in this issue, Thanos is going to join our heroes to try and stop the new threat, which is Nebula with the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, this, again, is like kind of wasting time. Like... Silver Surfer has to get over the fact that he's going to work with his enemy, which, fair enough, I wouldn't want to work with my immortal enemy either. But Doctor Strange places them in, like, this fake arena where they are knights with horses and and lances and uh, forces them to fight to get their emotions out and stuff and see who's going to be the winner. I found this issue to be sort of a low point in this whole book. I didn't like it. I thought it was pointless and dumb. And Thanos was completely out of character, I thought, in this one too. Especially at the end, when he's begging Silver Surfer to end his life in this virtual plane. I thought that was that was a misstep. And then when they come out of it, and Doctor Strange says, well, what happened? Who was the winner? Silver, Silver Surfer says, he is. And then Thanos boasts about it. He's like, yes, I was, I was the winner. Of course I was. Ha, ha, ha. And like, that seems completely out of character for Thanos as well. Um, yeah, I also thought it was weird that they're supposedly observing. Like, you get panels of the heroes observing what's happening in this other plane. And they even know that at one point server had the upper hand, server had the upper hand, and yet don't know the final outcome. Like they, yeah, they forgot to watch the end of the episode or something. Like it, I thought that was also odd. Like they, well, I think Doctor Strange needed Surfer to say himself that he gave up, yeah, that he lost, that he conceded but, the fight. But like Drax and Firelord asked Surfer, "Well, how did how did you lose? We saw you were winning." Right. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. So I, I yeah. just think it's interesting. They they admit to having seen him. With the upper hand, and then they say they they don't know why he like they don't know what happened. So yeah. I also thought it was interesting that 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 part was unavailable to them. But I agree with you the the this Thanos character is more of a bully than a than you're used to. Yeah, it was. I didn't think it was great. Um, just the whole the whole concept. Now, if you go to page two, now, before you move on, though, this yep. is where I wanted to say this issue the fill-in artist because again ron lim is still unavailable the fill-in artist is tom rainey yeah who at the time is an unknown it's his right. first work at marvel it's his oh, third book his ever first wow first book at marvel his third book ever okay and so he's because he moves on to some great stuff he's filling in here and, and it's interesting because we've we've watched for the last four issues you've had people filling in for ron lim yeah and they didn't get not to say they didn't get anywhere i think they all well, I don't know how they feel about their careers. I haven't spoken to them. <laughs> um, you know, they, but they all made it to to the point of drawing some comics, which I imagine was a goal. I'm yep. sure they would have all liked to have a longer career. But Tom Rainey is the first one who parlayed this into more. Um, right. It would be interesting yeah, to yeah. talk to all of them and see how they felt about their experience on Silver Surfer, having to fill in at the last second and, and, and jump in there. But Tom Rainey, for those of you that don't know after this, he goes on to some very successful runs. He's, he's done almost, I think, almost 500 different comics in his career. In the end, he has, and he's not just 
the main artist on books. He headlines books. He headlined Outsiders relaunch at, at DC Comics in the 2000s. He's he did a whole run on Stormwatch. He's had a run on Kenny X Men. He did Mutant X. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that are fans of Nate Gray, um, he did the Mutant X books. Or is that Havoc? That's Havoc. That's Havoc, Havoc in an alternate are, world. Are your, people who are fans of Havoc and Vampire Storm. He yeah. did Mutant X. Um, so Tom Rainey's had some pretty long extended runs on, on various books. He, he most recently, I think, was doing. Um, some of some of the Avengers uh, books with Marvel again, um, not the main title, but some of the timepieces. I think he had like a Dark Avengers Hawkeye, and I think he's uh, so he's had a long yeah yeah he's, he's a long great. and pretty celebrated run. Um, and it's interesting. So you're seeing some of some early Tom Rainey uh, here, and so that's and let me tell you, if you're familiar with his style, this does not look like it at all. He's yeah. evolved so much over the years. You can tell this is his early stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, go to page 255, sitting on Dr. Strange's books, bookshelf here, Dr. Strange gets the idea of sending them into this kind of medieval joust because he sees all these things on his shelf, including Pendragon and Once and Future King, Book of Merlin, that kind of stuff. And there's also Camelot 4005, which is a Starlin reference. It's a comic that Starlin did. It says it credits him as well here, but it's a, a medieval comic that Starlin did for the graphic novel imprint. So that's nice that they kind of stuck that in there with all of the other classic medieval books. <laughs> yeah, that is a fun little Easter egg. Okay, so now you have to read Infinity Gauntlet number six, which uh, if you look at the text, um, the text recap. That's above the cover of Silver Surfer number 60. It erroneously calls it Infinity Gauntlet number 7. But there is no such thing as Infinity Gauntlet number 7. It just uh, That doesn't exist. It's number 6. If you have issue 7, though, you should put that through to CDC and then... Um, or CGC, sorry, and get that graded, and then you're going to want to auction that off. Yes, because obviously it comes from an alternate timeline where there was in Infinity Gauntlet number seven. The yeah, miniseries you, was one issue longer. You have the only copy on this earth. Yep. Okay, this one's called Finale and Prelude. So this takes place, of course, after the events of the Infinity Gauntlet, and everyone's kind of like, okay, guys, good job. Uh, I got to get back to my other stuff. See you later. Um, and now Surfer also takes back to the stars to, uh, I don't know, do whatever Silver Surfer does. Yep. And um, he's flying past our moon, and that's where he is assailed by uh, Midnight Sun. Mm -hmm. um, but Midnight Sun's not evil. Midnight Sun can't talk, but he's frustrated. He doesn't know his background, and he wants to... He, he, he feels that Silver Surfer knows what his background is, and so he's trying to stop Silver Surfer long enough to see if he can figure out how to communicate to Silver Surfer that he needs his help. Now, the part I find interesting is... Midnight Sun is on the moon. Supposedly, the Kree rebuilt him on the moon. Surfer has already battled Thanos on the moon. In this issue, the Inhumans take exception to Silver Surfer being on the moon. <laughs> but the Inhumans have previously not had any issue with a Kree uh, laboratory or a Thanos-Silver Surfer battle. Are you sure that all those happened on this moon? Uh, supposedly, they happened yeah. on Earth's moon. Okay. So, well, apparently Earth's moon is... They were not paying attention, yeah. I guess, or they were on the opposite side they of the moon. They were on the dark side of the moon, or I'm not sure. But anyways, I just found that part interesting that the the, the Inhumans are only now concerned with this. Yeah. 
Um, but so that's the battle. So um, luckily for Midnight Sun, Surfer does not want to destroy him, so he's taking it a little bit easy on Midnight Sun. He wants to subdue him without destroying him. And he even says, even though you're my enemy, I don't want you injured uh, or permanently disabled. So that's where this goes. And so it is, a, it is a battle where neither of them wants to win. Yeah. Like Surfer just wants to leave, and he doesn't know why he's being assailed. And Midnight Sun can't tell him, but Midnight Sun is desperate to slow Surfer down uh, so that Surfer can um, help him. And the issue ends with the the inhuman showing up and confronting Silver Surfer and saying, you're not welcome here. And Surfer explaining, I don't know why I've been attacked and he won't tell me. And in the end, the inhumans offer to assist Midnight Sun. And so Midnight Sun accepts that offer and stays. And then as Surfer is finally getting to leave, he gets confronted by one of those giant glowing heads in space. This one is, of course, the Collector. Yeah, this was, um, again, like the last one, I felt like this one was kind of a letdown of an issue. It's nice to see that Ron Lim is back. He's back on the art chores for this one. But it's an inconsequential issue. doesn't amount to anything except that it was a battle with Midnight Sun. But there was there's no point to it. So I was like, ah, I could live without this issue too. Yeah, no, that's fair. It brings us to the next issue, which is where surfer arrives on the collector ship so we're going to be on we're, we're going to head into issue 61 61 uh, carrier is the story and it opens with um a robot attacking surfer and we know that surfer is not keen on robots attacking him from his time at um, <laughs> dynamo city dynamo city yeah. in the previous volume so surfer dispatches the robot and he's annoyed because he was invited to the collector's ship and he wants to know the collector's offer or why the collector hasn't called him because the collector has said he needs surfer's help uh if not the universe will die and so he has pitched this to the silver surfer and so silver surfer comes and and collector explains that there's a virus that's been released and he needs surfer to go and collect the virus before it drives the whole universe mad because it it causes insanity and he sends Surfer because his cosmic power will allow him to handle the virus and get it back to the collector before it drives him mad. Uh, but it will drive him mad. And, and Silver Surfer is like, he's such a trusting guy. He's like, well, I know the, the world is at stake. So if I have to go mad, at least I'll be saving billions of people. Yeah. So, but at the same time, the collector hires this other group, the collection agency, to also take out silver surfer who's harnessing the virus and hopefully that'll kill the virus completely so we'll see if that happens but um have you heard of these guys the collector the collection agency before no i'm not sure if uh if they're regular like collector lackeys i actually don't know much about the collector at all he i've barely read any issues that he actually appears in it'll be interesting to see if uh if they show up again but because they, they kind of go into the backstory a little bit. Um, the collection agency only ever shows up in these this arc. Okay, so let's uh, let's make the most of these guys because we'll never see them again. I do like the spl- the splash page on the very last um, page of this issue with Surfer entering the bar and kind of there's debris all over the place. Ron Lim is is good at these kind of dirty um, scenery scenes. Um, I thought that the they collection agency looked like um members of the star jammers okay i was thinking of um what it was bishop's police 
Oh, X-Force. X, yeah, they kind of remind me of that from the, the future. Yeah, I also was wondering if the the giant blue-horned guy with a broken arm who confronts Surfer and is rude to Surfer and says he's going to help him is the same giant blue-horned guy that confronts Eros and uh, is trying to hit on the same girl as Eros. Oh, absolutely. I think it's the same guy. Because um, they're very similarly dressed. Yep. And um, it would it, it sort of... So that's, that was sort of my one... My one piece there. And the other thing I had wondered is the name of the bar, Moors. I had wondered if there was any reason why they had called it Moors. Like just yeah, I don't wh- know. Why pick that name? Is it a reference to Alan Moore or, or something else? Um, mm, yeah. I, was, I was unsure. It's one of those things. And um, so that's that's that piece. The Collector appears to Silver Surfer in his original old man form in this comic, but he actually has undergone a huge transformation in the pages of Avengers in Avengers 334 to 339, Um, and we're going to see what he looks like uh, differently in a little while, but he appears to Silver Surfer as Silver Surfer typically knows him. Yes. Okay, we keep on going over to number 62. This issue is called Battle Lines. And during the battle with the collection agency, the Silver Surfer um, ends up being infected by the virus. Yeah, I mean, first he has his fight with the collection agency who are there. They have slaughtered everyone in Moors and are trying to take the little girl who currently is infected with the virus um, for um, the collector. And... Um, they fight Surfer with their blasters, and they actually, at one point, subdue Surfer with some sort of energy-draining technology similar to Dynamo City. Yeah. And um, we find out a lot about the backstory of these characters as well, um, about their history, why they are who they are. Yes. um, One of the characters, Janice, has a stutter, and he he can't talk great he can't really get his sentences out without stuttering quite a bit and i find that his two teammates are really hard on him because of that it's a it's something that i think maybe writers would be more sensitive toward these days same with drax the way they approach drax in in this book as well being well um, heroes i imagine there's a lot of things in this book that might be approached differently today yes yes i feel like there is definitely um um, my favorite is the splash page on 336 the little girl with the virus there's a lot of things in ron mar's career i think he would approach differently today (laughs) Um, not to say that i don't love ron mar's work oh yeah Um, he's great but um anyway yeah the splash page super good i love it Um, oh yeah yeah, the creepy creature that bursts out of the little girl. Yeah. And Surfer willingly allowing himself to be infected before going back. And then he encounters the alien hunter from the annual from, from the, volume the, six. Yeah. Which is an interesting callback to, to the previous story. I didn't even remember that that guy was from the annual. It was like, who is this guy? Well, it's not, seems it's to also tricky because he's not drawn that way except for the very last panel of volume six. Yeah. And then we hit 63 and we're pulled out of this disease story into yet another surfer in an alternate universe in his own head dealing with his guilt sort of situation. 
So he's in the realm of the dead now. This I found this to be a little bit of a confusing issue. I wasn't exactly sure what he was supposed to be accomplishing here. He finds himself amongst the dead, including Garnock, that guy from that annual. He's here in the dead as well. And also uh, Captain Marvel yeah. is also in the land of the dead, which he died in that Marvel graphic novel, The Death of Captain Marvel. Um, and, ha- and actually has stayed dead this entire time. Which was shocking that that's the end result of a book called The Death of Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my favorite graphic novels it's, it, uh, that Marvel produced is just fantastic. But um, I guess Jim Starlin put such a mark on Captain Marvel's character in the 70s. So it's only fitting that we see Captain Marvel show up even though this wasn't written by Jim Starlin, but it's still dealing with Starlin's universe. Yes. And all of his characters. So I wasn't sure if this was all in Silver Surfer's mind. It's unclear, because you do get Captain Marvel back, but also you get this weird turmoil piece where Surfer at the end encounters the dark version of himself. Right, which is like his inner suppressed demons or something like that yeah but if this is in his mind he shouldn't see captain marvel because he's never met captain marvel yeah that's where it's unclear if it's the realm of the dead or or not or some sort of subconscious or something like that yeah but anyway yeah he has to confront a dark version of himself then the the next issue is called uh cold-blooded this is silver surfer number 65 and uh no it's called oh, sorry turmoil. sorry this is inner turmoil this is silver surfer number 64 called inner turmoil and yeah so he silver surfer has to face his dark self his secret self i think he calls it or his, rep- his yeah. repressed emotions that he doesn't even realize that he has this is kind of the final part of silver surfer regaining everything that he lost when galactus blocked his emotions yeah it's so much of a reconciling with his own guilt or his own i don't know well he reconciled with his own guilt back in the hall of absolutes this one is reconciling the stuff that subconsciously he doesn't even know that he's doing yeah okay and then after the reconciliation he confronts or he's confronted confronted by garnak raban and I'm still not entirely clear as Garnet Raban is um, gesticulating and, and chatting away. He, for some reason, says you, um, it ha- as it has ever been, one tried to get the other, da 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 you reconcile those halves, and the halves you represent Surfer are Dark Surfer and Captain Marvel. Right. Which I was a little <laughs> bit confused by that. Yeah. Anyways, and then he tears up both of those, and, and then Silver Surfer announces that he can emerge as his new self with his new own free identity, he's finally free. But I was a little bit confused with the Captain Marvel yeah. part there. I don't, I don't know what that was meant It to was be. Just, to, just to get Captain Marvel in the book. Yep, no I guess, or reason. get Captain Marvel back into the Marvel Universe, I yep. guess. Um, anyways, that, that part there was, was fine. And then from here, Surfer, having conquered the madness from the disease, and also having somehow wiped out the disease while battling death... Uh, or battling himself in the death universe arrives at the collectorship and the collector is very different on now yeah when he arrives 
also inexplicably all three of the collection agency are healthy and, and in one piece again despite the <laughs> fact that it was very clear one of them was dead last time and this is where surfer explains to the collector his own evil plan for the benefit of the readers that that the collection agency was actually supposed to collect uninfected silver surfer yeah um and bring him back um the collection agency for their part uh are pissed off at the collector and abandon him uh leaving the collector without his disease that has been destroyed or his lackeys well i think we can keep on going to the next issue here um, this does pick up the end of there's been interlude pages at the end of each of the previous issues yeah. leading up to a confrontation with this weird bat creature, which is a different bat creature than the one he previously fought. <laughs> so. Well, that one had hair. This one has scales. Um, well, how do you pronounce his name? Reptile? Reptile? Uh, reptile? Rep, 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 Captain Reptile? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Reptile. But yes, anyways, I was dead, but I got better. Yeah. This one, again, like, I find that the stories in this back half of the book aren't nearly as compelling as the stories in the first half of this book. A lot of these seem like just we need to get the issues out. I think that Ron Mars, because he um, later on does some really great things with Silver Surfer, but at this point, it feels like he jumped on the book and had to do these fill-in issues, and now he's got full control over what he's writing but he doesn't quite know what he wants to write or how he's going to, to tackle the surfer when he has creative freedom. So there's a lot of kind of throwing some ideas against the wall and seeing what works. When I sat down with, with Craig, once they had either decided to give me the book or I was auditioning for the book and I just didn't know it, you know, when I sat down and talked with Craig and wrote out the first, the first, you know, story pitches that I was, I was going to, tackle i you know the herald ordeal was the was first and for that that's the first story i wanted to tell nice. we just didn't get to it until like the second year i was on the book because of all this other stuff came up right infinity gauntlet tie-ins came up and then you know craig was fairly insistent that we needed a return appearance by captain reptile in the book <laughs> okay kind of felt like really that's what the masses are calling for is captain reptile coming back to the book but, you know, that that was part of the give and take of learning the job is like, well, the editor says, how about this? I'd really like to see this. And you kind of go, well, OK, let me see if I can make that work. One of the ideas is turning this reptile character into um, a god type character that Surfer has to defeat and also bringing in this other character, this princess who is going to uh, try to be a love interest kind of character for or Silver Surfer. Yeah, it's an interesting pace. I think he's trying to put things in place for his own run. I think he had to finish off the Starlin run first, and that's sort of what this book was. However, I agree that as a result, some of these issues seem a little bit um, out of out of sorts. Yeah. And they and like no, there's no sort of yeah. This one was extremely unfulfilling because we got issues of build up to this there were i think like three interludes leading up to this character reptile who's now got godlike powers and silver surfer kind of just takes him out it's really of no consequence at all and i was i was quite disappointed that it didn't amount to anything more it's true it was a it was a big waste like all that build up um it would be like if after all that tension 
the the alien that appears in, in Aliens, it turns out to be Alf. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and everyone had just been stumbling and fallen to their death. Yeah. Um, so it is. It's too bad. Um, and then that brings us to '66 with this this princess who's decided she's going to have Silver Surfer. She also has the ability to charm people or to influence the minds of people. So she's got some beefcake men that follow her around and are, are her protectors, but she can't get Surfer to fall for her. So that makes this is pretty much the reverse of the arrow story that we saw at the annual yes. in the annual. Um, but she goes to some desperate measures and asks uh, Mistress Love, who I guess I, I don't know what sort of mythology this comes from, but Mistress Love gives a lot of power, and then there has to be a balance. So Master Hate also gives her power, and she has to she's reborn into this character called Avatar and has to kind of find if she's good or bad and stuff and so this one's not drawn by ron Lim, and that hurts it a little bit was obvious yep no knock on anyone who can successfully get out a a 22 page comic in uh, on on a deadline but of the fill-in artists i think this was my least favorite by kirkwood studios steve carr and daryl skelton not even that they're bad artists. It just was so far from Ron Lim for me. Um, yeah, it was so far, and I felt like the storytelling wasn't as good. It was just a little bit more immature than than the rest of the artwork in this yeah. book. And I don't know. I didn't find I didn't find this villain overly compelling, and I didn't um, find the art. So I, I found this issue in particular, even though it was only twenty two pages, was the slowest read for me. Yeah, me too. I agree, and it leaves on a cliffhanger. That will be settled in the next volume of the Silver Surfer epics. Yeah, which I, I look forward to reading, but not to resolve this cliffhanger yeah, so right. much as to move on to get on to the next thing, the the new yep. Silver Surfer stories, and to have Ron Lim back. So, yeah, well, and that's it for the regular issues in this. And now there are a few Marvel Comics Presents issues, and we can just kind of briefly touch on them because there are a few cool things here. Well, I liked. I didn't love the first one, the Silver Surfer story out of the the Surfer Daredevil Shano issue sixty nine. Um, oh, really? I, I like this one. I thought it was. It played like a Star Trek episode. I thought Silver Surfer comes across a a, um, a battle ravaged vessel, goes inside everyone's dead, and he finds out that the vessel itself is alive and really wants to be put out of its misery. And the surfer has to make the decision of whether he does that or not. Yeah, so to me, it read too much like stories I've already read. Yeah. So like you said, that. it was Star Trek. Or, um, I mean, the the ship is sentient and evil in Event Horizon, but it read like that one. Or, um, anyways, like you said, it, it just to me, it was, it didn't seem like anything new. So that was sort of why I didn't, didn't love that one. I did, however, I liked the, the three-parter that gets strung together here. Um, I did find it funny that they gave us the covers and they're all Wolverine covers. Yeah. Marvel Comics presents Wolverine with Silver Surfer back issues or backstories. Um, and so there's the three-part uh, story going through 97, 98, 99 of Marvel presents Wolverine. Well, 97 is its own story with Reed Richards. So. Um, and then the other parts are the, two Nova are the Firestar right. story. It's the two Nova. Is it the Firestar story that you like? Yes. The Firestar story is great. 
Yeah, that one I, I really liked as well. Although it had the same problem as we saw in, was it the last volume? The story where Silver Surfer saves a group of people whose planet have been destroyed by his own doing, right? Yes. Yeah. This is this is the same thing. Nova comes across a group of people fleeing the planet that's been destroyed and she helps them. But would these people have been so ready for help or been so accepting of her her graciousness if they had known that she found their planet for for destruction in the first place? Yeah, it's an interesting piece. I liked it. I mean, I get that it's a repetition a bit. It goes more in depth than the Silver Surfer one. Yeah, it But does. I also like the fact that it shows the evolution of Nova. Like, she is she is starting to take on more and more of a likeness to Silver Surfer, like similarities in that piece. So she's following yeah. his arc, mm-hmm. which seems to be the inevitable arc of all Heralds of Galactus, is they eventually <laughs> have a conscious, and then they don't want to be the Herald who leads uh, planets to to doom and so that's what i liked is it was sort of continuing the growth of nova the character right i guess it was also a story that i've seen before although fewer times because as you said it was it was the silver server story from from last volume last volume yeah however um i liked that it was sort of was explored a little bit more i also like it when marvel picks up random b characters and lets me enjoy them a little bit more some of these guys like nova doesn't get that nova doesn't get much of a run in Marvel Comics. That's true. And I love some of those those B characters. Um, yeah, yeah. In fact, this whole book is full of those B characters, highlighting, you know, ep- issues that are specifically surrounding Fire Lord. And, um, also somebody I, I and, love. And the Kree Empire. Like, it's, yeah. I think, um, I think there was some really good stuff in this. It's a hit or miss volume. I definitely liked Thanos Quest's as a whole, a lot better than this volume, I think. This volume suffered. I think this volume suffered from a lack of identity. Yeah. Like, even its name doesn't fit what the book is. It should be called Infinity Gauntlet Tie-In. Right. Um, <laughs> that would be a funny title, and though. Yeah. nothing in here really stands alone. It's true. Yeah. Um, like, we kept having to reference, loop back, go read Infinity Gauntlet issue one or two before you read this or after you read this. Yeah. This this volume itself, there's a lot of issues in this volume that felt like fill-ins, and this volume itself kind of felt like a fill-in, which was too yeah. bad. Yeah. Because Ron Mars has an ex- a great run on Silver Surfer, which you're going to explore in, in volume uh, eight. eight. And yep. Starlin had a great run on Silver Surfer. And Starlin has a great run at Marvel and through Cosmic Marvel. Um, and there's great stories through Silver Surfer, and there's great characters, but... As a whole, there are little pieces of this volume you can pull out that are enjoyable. Yeah, the individual but issues, I there are many there are that some, I really like. There are some in um, there that you like. Some, <laughs> more There's, than others, I guess. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of the individual stories, but reading it as a whole, when you're just kind of plowing through all of them, it was so disjointed. Um, it felt like, it, yeah, it just felt like there were... There's no no real direction or things tying all of the things together. I also think that if you are somebody reading the epic collections as your introduction to the Marvel Universe, and that's a possibility, yeah. this volume screams of the complaint so many new comic book fans have is that it's too continuity heavy. It depends too much on your understanding or your yeah. foreknowledge of Marvel continuity. You cannot really read this volume on its own, yeah. um, which is unfortunate. Um, I don't know if there, if there was any way for Marvel to get around that based on what was happening in Silver Surfer through this this year. 
Yeah. But that is the unfortunate sort of reality of of this volume is it really it depends on you understanding a bit of the Korvac saga. It depends on you understanding a little bit of why those quantum gloves are. I mean, it doesn't, but it does. Right. It require. I mean, it had that random reference to to Cynthia, the crystal yeah, right alien, <laughs> right? Like well, the, and Midnight Sun and all. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. The the, the, the history even, of the even the Indian showing up randomly at the yeah. end. The history um, of the Kree Empire with clumsy foul up and everything, and all these pieces that sort of pull and tie into different places, and so yeah. that's. That's the one unfortunate piece for me is that this this volume is bogged down by a lot of external pressures that I thought negatively yeah. impacted my enjoyment of this volume, which is too bad. But yeah. I still recommend it to fans, go pick up volume six, pick up Infinity Quest, and read this with... So not Infinity Quest, Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet. Read this with Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Um, it would be a the, really the enjoyable... Sections. Yeah, if you take the Th- Thanos Quest... Um, all of the the Jim Starlin issues of Silver Surfer to lead up to that, and then read Infinity Gauntlet and these tie-in issues. All of it together, I think, is excellent. And just skip the end of this book. Like, read the tie-in issues to Infinity Gauntlet, and then sort of you you can safely end this volume if you want to on issue um, uh, uh, fifty-nine, probably fifty-nine, yeah, or sixty. No, 59. Yep. You can safely in this volume on 59 if you wanted to. I mean, if you're really enjoying Silver Surfer, you can read that story of the collector and the collection agency if you want. But yeah. but you can end on you can end this volume on 59 if you want to. Yeah. And and then wait for volume 8 and 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 start one issue in. <laughs> you you won't understand the story. There we go. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for us. Oh, I just want to mention that there are some bonus features in this epic collection as well, except they are all interspersed between um, the issues. So you'll find different covers to different collections or original artwork and all that kind of stuff, character profiles, but they're all interspersed between the issues. There was a great um, wizard cover, which I thought was awesome. A Ron Lynn yeah. Wizard Magazine cover, for those of you that remember Wizard Magazine, yeah. that would be quite the epic collection. Wizard Magazine <laughs> epic collection. I don't know if Marvel would have the rights to do that because Wizard covered everything. No, Marvel um, couldn't do that for but, sure. But uh, for those of you that, that weren't reading comics during the pre-internet era, Wizard Magazine was like the um, oh, yeah. bookshelf version of uh, Newsarama or, uh, or CBR. <laughs> yeah. um, yep, for sure. So And, and it, it really was, it was a great magazine at the time. Um, internet definitely <laughs> killed it. Yeah, absolutely, which was too bad. Um, but Wizard Magazine was was an awesome thing at the time with great articles and great great artwork. And so it's kind of fun to see that Marvel snuck in this Wizard Magazine cover. Also, I, I miss when magazines were 350 <laughs> or, or 295 for our American listeners. Yeah, that's right. But um, anyways, yeah, so that was a, a great throwback piece in there. So you can go, and as you're going through the volume, you can treat that as the Easter egg you need to find is, okay. is the great... The Wizard, Wizard magazine. magazine cover. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Craig, for joining us for this Silver Surfer episode. And um, I guess we should probably get back to either Doctor Strange or Thor next and p- tackle another volume of that. Yeah. Um, why don't we put that to the, the listeners, I guess. Um, first of all, thanks for listening to, to us rambling on about Silver Surfer for, for two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you've listened to them concurrently or not, but, but hopefully you've enjoyed those. And yeah, let us know whether you'd be interested in an episode of Doctor Strange or an episode of Thor for our next we'll, episode. We'll make it happen. And we'll we'll get on that for you. Nice. Or maybe an episode of both. One of each. 
Yeah, or we could confuse everyone and just talk about random issues from two different epics. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds like the Silver Surfer epic to me. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll just hash up two of those. But uh, no, in all seriousness, let us know if you're interested in hearing more about Thor or Doctor Strange coming up next. Um, and also make sure to tune in to all of the great other epic podcasts that we have coming out about all of the wonderful heroes in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, there's good stuff coming out. Awesome. Well, we will see everybody next time. Cheers. Cheers.